It's the California Wine Country Podcast with Steve Jackson and Dan Berger. We taste, we laugh, we learn. I heard the man say wine, and you are correct, big voice guy. It is California Wine Country today, brought to you by Bottle Barn, Rodney Strong Vineyards, and Davis Bynum Wines. Uh, Tom Simino is here. Hey, Jackson. Oh. You always got to pull uh, Tom's mic down a bit because he's <laughs> so used to being on the radio. He knows how to use his microphone, and then it just blasts sometimes. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm used to yelling at the guys out in the vineyard, hey, you know, so <laughs> I just come in here, and the voice is on 10. So, <laughs> so <were> you. <laughs> our guest today is Mari Jones, president of Emeritus Vineyards, back with us after quite a while. Great to see you again. Thank you for having me. My voice is on about a seven. I was at my college no. homecoming over the weekend. So. You're, you're fine. <laughs> uh, she calls her, She's president at Emeritus Vineyard. She calls herself president of fun. And after the last time she was here, I started calling myself president of fun on the drive. No, that's, that's, I think it's appropriate. It well, suits sort you. of. Joe would probably disagree. Fun? <laughs> he has to work with me. That's, so. true. Yeah. <laughs> that's true. But that's a whole different story. Uh, Murray, ironically, uh, our guest on the Vintner's Vibe yesterday, uh, our guest was uh, Mick Schrader. Schroeder. 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 Uh, the director of winemaking for Sonoma Couture Vineyards. And that's how Emeritus started. Uh, Bryce Couture Jones, and I'll quote from the website, uh, the Emeritus Vineyard story begins in the early 90s when uh, Bryce Cotrera Jones became transfixed by the idea of growing Pinot on a 115-acre site, quote, with its perfect soil and cool climate. It's an extraordinary piece of land. At the time, he was the owner of Sonoma Cotrera Vineyards, which he sold in 99. Yeah, exactly. We didn't talk about this yesterday with Mick, but who's who owns it now? I believe it's still Brown Foreman, as far as I know. Oh, okay. Brown Foreman, big company. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And Bryce, your your dad was a pioneer uh, in the Russian River Valley, and yeah. he almost single handedly maybe I shouldn't say single handedly, but got the whole Sonoma Coast thing going. And he certainly had a big hand in in designing where it kind of ended up on the uh, mm-hmm. where on the east side, yes, because he wanted the Le Pierre, Le Pierre Vineyard, Vineyard. <laughs> yes. part of uh, Sonoma Coast. So you could have it called a state. That's correct? exactly right. You are one of the few people who knows the true history of it, and that is exactly right. <laughs> but you know what? I'll tell you, Sonoma Couture was all it was just white mm-hmm. in the beginning, just, just our name, and and the winery is, is right next to uh, uh, Sarah Lee's Vineyard. Mm-hmm. When Sarah Lee w- was alive with Rich Cundy, mm-hmm. uh, we used to have the wine auctions mm-hmm. at Sarah Lee's, and then we'd walk across the driveway to Sonoma Couture. And we'd we'd sip wine and sparkling wine and and have a box lunch and then there'd be music and uh, fireworks. I yes, mean, that was when the Sonoma Bryce County, loves a party. Oh man, the Sonoma <laughs> County wine auction back in those days was second to none. And it's kind of too bad that we've kind of lost a little bit of that. But uh, well, go easy. Michael Haney may be listening. <laughs> this is true. But back then, we love back then the Sonoma, even the Sonoma County Harvest Fair, the awards night ticket was the hottest ticket in oh, town. Yeah, I know. You know, and, and things, things have changed, that's all, and uh, uh, evolved, I guess you could say. And I think some of, some of the old school is coming back, you know, because uh, 
Chateau St. Jean is making wine again. They are. Yeah. yeah. At the facility. We delivered grapes to them this year yeah. at oh, the facility. Go. They've been in twice recently. Yeah. And yeah, it's uh, it's so cool that it they're is. doing it. it and is. that place is so gorgeous. And they are, they're notorious for putting on good events. Yeah. And they used to have a lot of wine auction events there as well. And the Sonoma Valley uh, folks kind of have have taken the uh, the reins for those a lot of those those events. And, uh, you know, it's just, it, it, when you think back on the history, Bryce Jones was was really something uh, yeah. in our yeah. history. No, he was. Um, yeah. I think in the history of California Chardonnay and American Chardonnay as well in particular. But, you know, he also had his band of um, five guys in a fax machine um, taking down the as he puts it, his words, not mine, friends, um, uh, taking down the Grape Commission, uh, making it from a compulsory, um, you know, membership uh, for the California Grape Commission to a voluntary membership. Um, He lost some very good friends during that time, but um, ultimately made the family winemakers of California society. So Uh, let me ask you this before, because I got another question about uh, more questions about your dad. But uh, as I said, Sonoma Coutrere Vineyards, uh, the director of winemaking there, Mick uh, Schroeder. 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 I keep saying Schroeder. <laughs> Mick Schroeder. It is Mick Schroeder. Okay. Yeah. Well, then you're wrong. No, and I'm right. <laughs> I, didn't I say Schroeder to start with? I think I, I said Schroeder, and I think you said Schroeder. I think it's Schroeder. Mick Schroeder. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, I've only known him 20 years, so or 30 years, maybe. Who? Schroeder. Oh, oh. me. You've own, you've known forty years, probably or more. It could be even be yeah, more. Yeah. God. Anyway, the uh, the <laughs> na- the name Coutrere, and I asked this to Mick yesterday. I said, "Now, where does that come from? Is it uh, French or is?" It? And he said, "Well, it's a name." And and then he said, "You know, I can't really explain it. I'm Australian." And I said, "Well, I'm Italian." And Mike Haney says, well, "I'm from Tennessee." <laughs> And, I met, and then I was going to say, Joe is from Cloverdale, so he knows nothing. Uh, so we're all, It is my middle name. <laughs> well, it's your dad's middle name. It's both of ours. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. And where, where does it come from? So it's his mother's maiden name. Okay. So it's his middle name. Um, he's a bit of a mama's boy, so he named two of his three children with the middle name Couture as well. It's his mother's maiden name. They're um, from Mississippi and Louisiana. Okay. So French at maybe some point. French Canadian, probably. But also had the Couture's also had um, family on the Mayflower. Um, the Navigator on the Mayflower was. Well, that um, must have been a fun ride for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of Chardonnay. Yeah. yeah. Now, how, Definitely before the Chardonnay days. Uh, pr- pronounce <laughs> they the were name. Puritans. <laughs> pronounce the name again because we all say Couture. Couture, yeah. That's right. Yeah. I, my dad has a. Um, tendency to name things to name wineries things that people can't pronounce so emeritus i can't tell you how many variations i get of that cutraire i've heard more variations of that and i want to ask about the name emeritus but first i want you to tell us more about your dad bryce cutraire jones uh and his background and how he became a major part and an icon in the wine world yeah, I mean, it's pretty uh, incredible. So he was a Air Force brat. My grandfather was in the Air Force. Um, 
well, Army Air Corps and then Air Force when it became its own branch. And so my dad grew up kind of moving around. He was born in the Panama Canal Zone, which is a cool. funny place. <laughs> um, spent a couple years in Alaska when my grandfather was stationed there and knew that he wanted to be a fighter pilot like his dad. So he went to the Air Force Academy. He was um, part of the second, if I have my history right, he was part of the second graduating class of the Air Force Academy. Mm-hmm. Um, Annapolis? No, that's Navy. That's not the military. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm <laughs> Colorado Springs, right? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, never mind. The, <laughs> the military is made up of the Army and the Air Force. The Navy, come on. <laughs> you can tell where my family has served. Um, so... He flew in the Air Force for about eight years after graduating. He was a fighter pilot, flew in Vietnam for a while. Um, But he got hooked on wine while flying for um, working with a general. And uh, when he was stationed for, he was flying for NATO. And um, General had him over. (laughs) Rewind here for a second. I'm not a military historian, so I, this so is... So the general is drinking good wine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dad... So the general is drinking good wine. So my dad says this guy got shot down in World War II in Burgundy and, you know, shimmied out through the vines. So um, he called it. He had him over for dinner, and he goes, you know, Jones, Burgundy is a place. He's like, with all due respect, bullshit, sir. And uh, <laughs> the answer was, no, 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 Jones, I, I promise. I <laughs> Yeah, me too. Yes, me we too. all heard the word stuff. Never mind. So, yeah. <laughs> so, Bryce basically learned that Burgundy was a place and not um, a brand of, you know, jug wine. And um, it was basically decided right then and there that he was obsessed with wine. And he started collecting wine at auction. You know, he was a captain in the Air Force and probably had a cellar that rivaled, you know, some of the biggest collectors of the time and um when he got out of the air force he got out to go to business school and you know basically his project at business school for two years was developing a proposal to have a vineyard as a tax shelter so he knew he had no money he had a lot of debt uh from school but he knew that rich people had money and they didn't want to pay taxes on that money so what they would do is invest in a business that would lose money for many years to come that they can then write off on their taxes to lower their burden and he said well a vineyard sounds like that would be a really good option and as you know it's a great option small fortune in the wine business you start out with a large fortune. yeah well and i mean the losses right you have at least five years of losses just up front because you planted a vineyard so he basically did that and then after you know, he, he moved out to California in the mid-70s, and um, by the early, by the late 70s, uh, you know, the guys in New York were seeing Sonoma Couture on the label as Vineyard, and they said, well, can we have a winery? That looks really cool. He said, all right, give me your money. And um, he built the winery, and his, I mean, his... I mean, to this day, his motto is always, I mean, you have to have quality over everything. If you don't have quality, you don't have a company, you don't have a brand, you don't have um, a leg to stand on. And so he really dove in really intensely working with um, counterparts in Burgundy and kind of all over California to really understand how to make great Chardonnay and how to make great wine in general and, you know, marrying kind of the new world technology with the old world sensibilities and um history right i mean they've been doing it for thousands of years they have a f- they, they've got some knowledge that we don't so trying to really bridge the gap and the distance between the two regions between burgundy and california in particular um and 
you know, if nothing else, he is a great marketer. So he was really able to grow that brand. And after about 25 years, all those guys in New York said, hey, we'd like our money back. And he said, why did you invest with me? (laughs) But uh, they ended up selling. And um, it was literally three days later that Don Hallberg walked into his office and said, hey, do you still want to buy this orchard? And um, the answer was a resounding, of of course, how could I ever turn it down? And that's Hallberg Ranch. Ranch, Exactly. That's the wine that you're tasting right now. Which we'll talk about in a moment. Um, how did? Well, you grew up with all this. Did you, like many of the uh, second or third generation wine family folks who we've had over 14 years here, uh, you know, at some point they grew up with the winery and the vineyards and the family and then went off usually after college to do something else and then I didn't came wait that home. long. Yeah, good. <laughs> Because then they come home and they go, I want to go home. I want to do wine. Yeah, I left. I sent myself to boarding school when I was about 13 years old. So I went to boarding (laughs) school. My brothers are older, so I was the only one left in the house. And I said, well, this isn't really fun to be an only child. I didn't sign up for this. And um, so I sent myself to boarding school. So I was about 13 when I arrived in Connecticut (laughs) and spent four years there. How does a 13-year-old send them? herself to boarding school well i mean like i'd heard it existed my brother ended up going for a year okay and um i thought well that sounds great so um i did so i left i was there for four years and then i went to uh colgate university in upstate new york go gate if anybody's listening um love their toothpaste Yeah, that's I, all I, I use is Colgate. I actually, I, Me too, I actually. don't, but um, I'm a huge supporter of the university. Um, so that's where I was this past weekend. Our hockey, our women's hockey team beat Syracuse handily. So go right. Gate, go, go Gate. Gate. That's go right. Gate. Um, and then I'm um, actually I. I joke that I was driving back home from upstate New York, and I um, stopped in Colorado for a few years, and uh, worked in Colorado at a nonprofit. Um, in Telluride, and uh, got the call from my dad that he needed some help. Very cool. Uh, again, you are. ten years later, I'm here <laughs> again. Bryce Couture Jones sold Sonoma Couture Vineyards uh, in '99. Yep. And uh, Tom, g- give me your input on Bryce Couture Jones. Well, he, like I said, he st- he started Sonoma Couture, and. Um, Back in those days, you're right, there were a lot of tax shelters, so to speak, and a lot of wineries started that way, and he was making some of the best Chardonnay, period. Uh, no Pinot. And then as right. time moved... and Sonoma Couture is known as uh, one of California's most revered Chardonnay producers, oh, yeah. and still are. And still are. And we tasted some yesterday with yeah, Mick. Absolutely. I mean, and it's probably the number one... One of the top restaurant Chardonnays yeah. in America, correct? As far as I know. Yeah. <laughs> And and the crazy thing is now emeritus go gate yeah emeritus <laughs> doesn't make chardonnay they they've got this beautiful uh, pinot noir blanc called what is it called here Halberg blanc Halberg blanc okay, named after made, the vineyard made from pinot, pinot noir, noir grapes, grapes. Yes. and it's white looks like chardonnay and even a little has, bit has tastes a little like chardonnay. we tricked yeah. you you did. <laughs> You trick Kathy too. <laughs> now, is this okay? I trick most people. Um, yes, it is. Mostly neutral barrels, mm-hmm. a few new barrels, um, a little bit of lees stirring, and full malolactic, which you would never guess. Yeah, it's no. it, it's it's got peach and a mm-hmm. um, little bit of melon. It's oh, it's got a lot lovely. of sh- yeah. It's 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 a good acidity, very well balanced, mm-hmm. and uh, 
I mean, it's stunning. How much of this do you make? How many cases? Not much. Um, usually less than 500 cases. Wow. Tiny. Yeah. yeah. Are all of your wines in that kind of? Um, these two are actually less than that. So the ones from Pinot Hill are um, less than that. Are the Halberg Ranch? This wine that I also brought is our largest production, and that's a few thousand cases. Right. And right. So that's so what gets into wholesale. You're and, still yeah. pretty tiny. Yeah. Yeah. Total production is anywhere from eight to ten thousand cases a year. Yeah. You know where. At the mercy of uh, Mother Nature and the yield, so it does we, fluctuate. <laughs> we love talking about the labels on wine bottles on this uh, show, and I love the emeritus label. It's, Thank you. It's a gigantic E. That's right. You can't mistake it for anything else. No, it's, <laughs> it's very cool. Uh, let's go back to uh, Bryce Couture jones your dad, and why the name Emeritus? Yes, well, so he... Purchased Halberg Ranch as an apple orchard from Don and Marsha Halberg. And um, the idea was to make, you know, to plant Pinot Noir and we'll see what happens. And uh, it was most of the same team as from Sonoma Cutrera that had been working together for a long time. So our vineyard manager, Kirk Laka, um, and his wife, Debbie, were very integral in planting the property. And I work with Kirk every day and now his son. Um, our employee, Zero, who, you know, runs the books and makes sure that we all, you know, <laughs> pay our taxes and whatnot. Uh, she was from Sonoma Couture as well. That's Kathy's <laughs> exactly. job for me, yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> most important job in the business, right? Um, and so just a lot of the same team really came over from uh, Sonoma Couture. A lot of our vineyard team that are still working with us are from Sonoma Couture. Um, so Bryce always joked, we're the emeritus team. You know, we're the old guys. We are basically retired but can't really give it up. And this was just too good. And um when it came time to name the winery, there was a lot of names floated around. And he said, well, I think Emeritus works. Again, can't name things that people can pronounce. But um, in Latin, well, it who means... who can't pronounce Emeritus? <laughs> right. Well, maybe Joe. But uh, there's, a else, there's, there's a lot. There's a lot. After a year, you'd think you'd get used to my jibes and my being an a-hole. But uh, he still can't get used to it. But I'll tell you, if you're, if you're trying to name a winery... There's so many names already used. That's right. I mean, this was That's 25 years thing. ago. Yeah. So this, Unbelievable. This, we were lucky. But, um, you know, he just said it means old men out to pasture. But in Latin, it means to earn by service, which he liked the gravitas of that. But we all know it just means old men out to pasture. And <laughs> he thought that that was appropriate. So. Yeah. Uh, I'm also emeritus of the drive. That's right. Uh, Mari Jones. Well, now we call him emeritus emeritus. That's his title. Uh, there you go. Mari Jones is here, uh, president of Emeritus Wines and also president of Fun, which I loved the last time she was in and, and said that. And then I immediately said, okay, boys, I'm the emeritus of Fun on the drive. There you go. And, and you know, Dewald agreed. Uh, Harry agreed. But Joe's still not so sure he's not on the I think if we put emeritus on there it makes more sense yeah yeah okay (laughs) (laughs) it's California wine country brought to you by Bottle Barn Rodney Strong Vineyards and Davis Bynum Wines Tom Simino's in today and our guest is Mari Jones president and president of fun at Emeritus Vineyards Uh, Rodney Strong what can I say what a great way to spend an afternoon Sipping award-winning Rodney Strong wines, enjoying all the great experiences that they have to offer. They're always doing cool stuff. Coming up Saturday, October 8th, you can relax and indulge in a self-care session on the terrace at Rodney Strong with a reflected 
Meditation with Certified Sommelier and Yoga Instructor Joanna Pietrovac. She'll guide you through a mindful session of wine education using elements of yoga linked to the key senses, uh, senses that we use when tasting wine. Okay, that, that's that, a little that's deep. A, that's a wow for me, That's man. a little deep for me. That, that is deep. I, I am my own wine meditator. Yeah. Uh, you could teach the class. I could. <laughs> but anyway, that's happening October 8th, which, if I'm correct, is a week from this Saturday. And then way... Ahead of us in uh, November, Saturday, November 19th, is the annual fall market uh, on the Concert Green at Rodney Strong from noon till 4 p.m. You can support local artisans and start your holiday shopping there while enjoying a great glass of wine. There'll be live music. Treat yourself to delicious food bites. Mulled wine, if you need to keep warm, on November 19th. And you can learn all about all these great events that they do constantly at Rodney Strong. It's rodneystrong.com slash events. Rodney Strong Vineyards, committed to community since 1959 and a proud sponsor of this radio program. All right, Mari Jones, president of fun at Emeritus. I love this. Uh, Emeritus is also guided by the timeless philosophy that great wines are shaped by three factors. Soil which gives wine its character, climate, which gives wine its personality, and people, which gives wine its spirit or style. Now, that's, that's, that's cool. classic. That is cool. That's your dad, right? Uh, yeah, he actually, I mean, he learned that from a French guy, and we just stole it. So Yeah, we, we French guys, you know. I, I might have written that a long time ago. And I'm getting old, and I forgot I wrote it already. Now it's reminding yeah, me. Yeah, Simino, exactly. I thought that was Italian. Yeah, E-A-U. <laughs> All right, Tom. Well, I'll tell you, this next is our Pinot. Yeah, Hallberg Ranch. Yep. Hallberg Ranch. Uh, and one thing that uh, we haven't even talked about at all is your dry farming technique in your vineyards. And usually when somebody tells me their vineyard is dry farmed, it's usually because they don't have any water. <laughs> That's you know true. what I mean? They just <laughs> That's you know, how we, it started. <laughs> we dry farm because, well, really, Tom, it's because we don't have any water. But now a lot of people are are jumping on this dry farming technique. And when when I read about that, I'm thinking to myself, well, are these wines going to be, you know, fully ripened? And, you know, I just... When yeah, yeah, when we're that, talking about what bricks we pick at, yeah, like, the are green they ripe? <laughs> really, can you get them ripe that way? But she dry farms, and this Pinot is... What's the alcohol in this? Uh, this is probably 13.8, 13.9. So your wines are in the 13s. That's low. 13.7. Yeah. It's because they pick... 22 to 24 degrees bricks because the roots go f- so far deep that that you, they, they ripen full phenolic flavors yeah. and all that at 22, 23, and 24 yeah, what bricks. We, what we see is that um, during the ripening, if you look at kind of the curves of like phenolics and sugar and acids, a lot of times when you're irrigating, and I don't want to say everybody and every time and everything, but... A lot of times when you're irrigating, what happens is you get these plateaus in between irrigation cycles where phenolics are not developing, but sugars are, and acids are going down. So you're getting that kind of like chemical ripeness, but you're not getting the flavor development. And what we see is that we don't have those plateaus. So if we see that things are ripening by, um, you know, a third of a bricks every day, that's going to be consistent no matter what. And so then we're just waiting for phenolics. Um, We find that basically... 
the the vines are able to ripen kind of everything in tandem, which means that we're picking earlier than a lot of other people um, in our valley, and also that we're just getting higher acids, lower sugar, but full flavor. And then again, smaller berries, smaller clusters. So that intensity of color, the intensity of flavor of aromatics is because we have so much concentration in the tanks. Right. So you've got juice to skin ratio exactly exactly yeah Um, talk about bricks again which we have to do every once in a while b-r-i-x yes Yes. it's a measure of sugar and and you when grapes are if you're if you're in the grocery store and you're taking a thompson seedless that's that's probably like 16 degrees Mm -hmm. bricks just to give you an idea okay but there's no acid in that grape right that's why it tastes so sweet yes and it's low sugar Yes. 16. Yeah, exactly. Wine grapes are picked, sparkling wine grapes are picked 18 to 20 degrees bricks. And it takes a couple of weeks to get a, uh, a point or so. Depends on, on the, the weather. weather. Yeah. 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 So anyway, so you're and picking, but you're, most people are picking Chardonnay at 23 and a half, 24, Red Cabernet Sauvignon, uh, 25, 26, Napa Valley, a lot of times they're picking at 27, 28. You know, and this whole thing about desiccation and you bring it into the winery and the winemaker puts water it's dehydrated, to it. yeah, yeah. really dehydrated. So, you know, you're getting, they're getting full flavors at 22, 24 bricks, which, That's especially low. these days. Well, and then it's also the, so instead of having, you know, a lot of times too, grapes will ripen from dehydration, especially when they're relying on irrigation very heavily. And so you get a very different type of flavor. So even if you're picking at 24 bricks, but you're irrigating a lot, let's say, um, which that doesn't really happen in our valley and with high-end wines, but uh, you really get a very different type of flavor. So we have a lot of freshness. So we have all that red fruit that's very classic Russian River Valley, but because it's really fresh fruit flavors, a lot of people taste this and they go, this doesn't taste like Russian River Valley. And I say, no, no, it's all there. It is. It's just, it's more fresh, um, acidic driven than um, that kind of like um, cooked flavor, the jam, the, you know, stewed fruits. Mm -hmm. You know, when you think about this, this wine, it's a 19 but I would guess it to be a little older, mm-hmm. just in general, because the acidities aren't over the top. Yeah. And you're doing a great job with the oak. I mean, I'm a grape grower. I want to smell fruit when I when I go into the glass. And this is... You don't want to smell oak when you taste wine. No. You want, no. That needs to be framed. Exactly. And the oak can be around the back of your nose and in your palate. But this is just a fruit beauty. And it's feminine. Yeah. It has a nice... Uh, just it's a got soft elegance, touch. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The he winemaker at uh, at the winery is David Latin, L A T T I N. He's renowned as a winemaker. Uh, how long has he been there? And tell us a little more about David. Yeah, so he's been with us since 2017. So we joke that he's a new kid on the block. Um, he came to us from Napa. He was working at some pretty incredible estates over in Napa. However, he started his career in the 80s at Acacia, which were the first vineyard designate Pinot Noirs in California. I remember that. Yeah. Acacia was one of the, the best Pinot Noir producers from Caneros. Yeah. And they used to call themselves the Acacians. Yeah. And they would throw parties. <laughs> let me tell you. Yeah. Oh, man. So, and, yeah. Oh, and single vineyard uh, Yeah, some growers. of the first ones oh, in California. Goodness. So, you know, he started there as an intern when he was getting his enology degree and then came back to work there after he graduated um, after spending a little bit of time in France. And... Um, 
he just kind of ended up being pushed into Cabernet, as you know, as he would say. Um, but every, he will say every year of my career, with the exception of one, I always made Pinot Noir. He said it's my favorite thing to do. And when we were um, kind of in the market for a new winemaker, you know, he said the magic words were all Pinot Noir and estate grown. And he was like, I found heaven. <laughs> so, well, he's you have found heaven, <laughs> and I him. completely agree. Working with yeah. him every day is, I mean, one of the greatest joys. I think that's the best part of my job is all the people I get to work with. Yeah. Um, and I absolutely count him among the top tier. California wine country. It is uh, Tom Simino here with Mari Jones, president of Fun and president in general at Emeritus Vineyards, and it's emeritusvineyards.com, folks. Check them out. And as far as retail and restaurants and stuff, uh, I'm sure you can get Emeritus at Bottle Barn. No? Uh, sometimes. <laughs> Every once in a while. Barry Herbst? <laughs> Pay attention. I'm sure he's been trying. <laughs> Every they once in a while. They so. don't make a lot of wine that's available yeah. uh, wholesale. So. Yeah, we don't. So we, we only have one wine that we um, really have in the wholesale market, and that's this Halberg Ranch. And then um, we do make 11 different wines, but Halberg, but most of them are really small production, so you know under 500 cases. And you have a wine club, right? We do. We have a wine club. We have a tasting room. We opened the tasting room in 2015. That was actually my first big project when I moved back to California was um, to – kind of design and build the tasting room so yeah it's a beautiful and spot. the tasting room is where it's on Hallberg ranch so it's um on highway 116 the gravenstein highway just north of sebastopol if you're familiar with where mary edwards is or red car just right down the street from that um basically kitty corner to taft street and um if you know where that 76 at, at occidental and yeah, 116 sure, of course, everybody we does. basically border that there we go. That's right. Yeah. The stop okay. there is a must. Do we have time to do a, another wine here? We. Uh, yeah, we're good. We're good. Okay, so the next wine? So um, I would say we'll start with the Pinot Hill East. So I brought two wines from our Pinot Hill Vineyard. So those those that we just had are from Hallberg Ranch, which is the location I just described where a tasting room is. If you go about uh, eight miles southwest as the crow flies or, you know, through the town of Sebastopol, wind your way and then head west, um, you hit Pinot Hill Vineyard. So it's in the Sebastopol Hills. And um, it's a very cold, foggy, windy site. <laughs> so it's that kind of area where the fog only lifts between about noon and 3 p.m. for most days. So this uh, wine is the east side, and then I also brought the west side to taste too, but this is the east-facing slope. And so there's basically no direct sunlight on these grapes during the, the summer. Morning. Yeah, I mean at all during the summer. Right. Um, so there's always those few days where the fog doesn't come in, but um, other than that, there really isn't the direct sunlight. So we're actually picking these grapes at like 21, 22 bricks, and wow. we don't really get much anything over 23 on this side. So east-facing... So morning sun, if but there's fog, but it's too foggy. You don't have any. It's just not direct and sunlight. And there's no sun in the afternoon. Exactly, because it's, it's hitting facing. the west side. Yeah, 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 exactly. And so then I have the west side too, which has those few hours of afternoon sun. Um, and we make a wine kind of from the whole vineyard together, and then we have it broken out as these two kind of um, sides, if you will. And uh, they're just very different. Um, this one, this is one much softer than the. Yeah, uh, and it's it's super savory. Right, yes. like it's very um, herby and tea, um, and also I get like a cold smoke kind of um, vibe to this wine, if you will. 
There's a rich, round mouthfeel, soft, very soft tannins, mm-hmm. and mouth-watering acidity. This, um, well, some some fresh salmon. This guy's salmon season is about over. It's too bad, but uh, this yeah. would go great with... Uh, yes. Well, the alcohol is 13.3 on this. 13.3. Yeah. That is light. <laughs> yeah. But it's so rich and intense with flavor. I think because we're dry farming, and especially at Pinot Hill, too, because it's such a steep hill, we just get really tiny yields. So very small berries, very small clusters. The same clone at Hallberg will be, you know, fit in my hand. At Pinot Hill, just kind of sit in the palm. Um, so you get all of this intensity and richness, but you don't get the heaviness. So your clusters will sit in your palm. I mean, like this. I mean, so it's like second crop. It would look like second crop to most people. As yes. a grower of Cabernet yeah. Sauvignon, <laughs> these like guys third are crop. crazy. <laughs> Yeah, like, you know, the size of a cluster at Pinot Hill could be the size of, like, two or three corks, whereas Hallberg Ranch, you know, would be two or three times the size of that. Um, It's just a very extreme climate to grow in, and it's a very extreme topography. It's very, very steep grades. So you'd call this extreme Sonoma Coast? Um, We label the property as Sonoma Coast. It is technically within the bounds of the Russian River. It was not when we purchased it, but it is now. Um... Yeah, so, did Bryce have anything to do with that? He did not. <laughs> Shockingly, this one was not him. And we decided to label it Sonoma Coast. We could have gone either way. Um, it just feels more coastal. Mm. And when you're sitting on the property, I mean, you smell the ocean. My hair, you can't see on radio, but it just gets like so frizzy and big. And, <laughs> you know, it's like it's just so humid and windy there. So it, it, humid from the fog, right? So How do these wines age? I would think this would Incredibly. age beautifully. Yeah, it really does. I mean, We're this is a 19. Down Dan, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, Dan seriously. lay it down burger, yeah. <laughs> Jeez. This... Uh, I don't know, 30, 40 years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I always say, Sam, we're not going to. We're not going to make Dan. it that long. Dan, we're not going to be around. <laughs> I right? know. Taste this wine. Just drink it. Yes. That is my philosophy, too. Nothing tastes better than the wine in your glass. Whatever that wine is, as long as you're enjoying it, that is the best wine in the world. Amen. And if it happens to be emeritus, even better. Yeah, really. (laughs) So I've got to go after this next week. We still have time to get to the southern Pinot Hill West. Yeah, so this is going to be a little bit um, more in that kind of strawberry and um, kind of that richer red fruit. see the color difference just Mm -hmm. in pouring it. And so... For the folks at home, um, 13.6 alcohol, whopping 13.6. <laughs> Just beautiful color. I, this a 19 as well? Yes. Yes. I wanted you to be able to have a good, even match between the two. Mm. So this is the west facing. Exactly. And again, it's only a few hours of that direct sunlight. because it's What a not, difference. What a difference. And, you know, if you think of like Hallberg... We have all afternoon of sunlight, right? You know, it's that burns off, the fog burns off in the morning, and then you have this, like, really kind of nice, even warming during the day, and then the fog rolls in at night, and it's, you know, so nice. At Pinot Hill, it's like, you don't get fog for three hours, (laughs) and that's it, and that's the only direct sunlight that you get. You still get warmth, but you just get so much wind and so much fog. So, But even those three hours the difference, difference in character yeah the spice mm-hmm. it's got brown almost a cinnamon or something in there god that's beautiful and you wouldn't believe it but because these wines are so low alcohol we actually can do like around 50 percent new oak on them this is 50 percent new oak. you would have no idea wow no idea but because it's lower alcohol it doesn't extract those flavors 
um, and, you know, kind of the resins and stuff from the barrel. So a lower alcohol wine can actually absorb a lot new oak without feeling oaky, but help frame it and really give it a really nice, um, you know, structure Those for aging. Oak tannins that I'm feeling? Maybe? A little bit, but, you know, again, it's really tiny berries. Wow. So you get really, um, you know, in the tank, it's like a very intense concentration around the skins. Yeah, this is uh – I, I can't believe those are both. Well, it's a thirty-acre vineyard. Yeah, yeah, and, and it's like you're saying, one hill <laughs> yeah. and the other hill. Yeah, so it's different. Yeah, and it's it's great that you bottle them that way. Yeah, it's so really a, fun. A stop at your winery for somebody who's a, trying to learn about high-end Pinot, and these aren't that expensive either. These are like um, I think about eighty bucks for these for both of these. Right. Yeah. I mean, you could pay a lot more for these, and. Do you do do you do private events and things for people that are in your wine club? Yes, for club members we do. Yeah, we have um, different kind of you know parties. We also do tastings with David, our winemaker. Um, we do a fun supper club. So I mean, yeah. if you're thinking about joining a wine club, you know, as an educational side of things, uh, I would highly recommend it. Yeah, this or even is, just this- coming in for a tasting. I mean, something that we. We're never going to sit down and tell you, this one tastes like blueberries. We really want you to understand that wine comes from a vineyard and how does the vineyard affect wine. And also to have fun because it's wine tasting. Mari, great to see you again. Thanks for <laughs> you coming You too. In. Thank you for having me. It's and always fun. Tom, we'll see you next week. What yeah, we got? In, we've, we're going to have Booker Winery. Oh. John, oh. John and Diane are going to be in. Cool. Delicious. So, yeah, their wines are fabulous and they're great people. Two weeks in a row. How about that? I love it. <laughs> bang, bang. All right.